Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 9.03 here on SENZ uh, for the next three hours. We hope to keep you entertained with uh, a lot of stuff uh, around rugby, particularly because the, a big weekend uh, unfolding before us, of course, the All Blacks against South Africa. But, of course, also the Bunnings NPC uh, kicks off this weekend. So uh, we'll look at both of those levels of rugby uh, in the first hour. In fact, uh, we'll talk to Mark Hinton. Um, he's uh, a senior stuff uh, sports writer, of course, in South Africa. He's on the spot. He's written many articles this week. Uh, what is he making of the prospects of the All Blacks? Well, and what about the naming of the All Black side? Any interesting points from his point of view? So uh, we'll talk to him. We'll have a, a Commonwealth Games medal tally just after 9.25. Uh, we'll have uh, an opportunity for you to call in. Now, this morning we've got uh, some double passes for the Wellington Bay of Plenty game. So Wellingtonians, uh, you can call in or text us on double eight double three. Um, and uh, just give us a, a little bit of info about how you think the Wellington Lions are going to go this year. They kick off against Bay of Plenty this Sunday, 4.35 at uh, Sky Stadium. Talk back time just after 9.30. Uh, caller of the day winning a Chemist Warehouse voucher to the value of 50 bucks. Talk to us about the All Black selections. What are you thinking? Uh, I know, Dino, you're itching to get on the phone, so we'll uh, no doubt hear from you at some point. And after uh, 10 o'clock, we'll talk to Leo Crowley. Uh, well, uh, He's the Director of Coaching. Uh, for the Wellington Lions uh, so uh, talk to Leo about the reshuffled NPC season which uh, gets underway for them on Sunday panel this morning Ross Carl and Lavina Good uh, and that'll be cool talking to those two uh, Ricardo Ball after 11 o'clock uh, with his look at uh, the football of course the EPL kicks off this weekend talk to John Roberts who is uh, the president of the uh, Auckland Greyhound Racing Club uh, he's our Greyhound personality for this week and a fine trainer in his own right. So we'll talk to John as well as to, to Greg O'Connor and uh, two other people throughout the morning, including you, hopefully, on 0800 150 811. Score update, uh, the third quarter, uh, Dame Nolling Tyroa giving her team some fairly harsh words because they trail England at the moment by six goals going into the last quarter. Not a good start. <laughs> Well, 9.05 here in New Zealand, it's a good deal later uh, on a Thursday night, uh, I've got to say, over there in South Africa, which is why I've got to pay uh, Mark Hinton a really big uh, vote of thanks for staying up that late for us, because uh, he's uh, on the spot over there, of course, Mark, a regular contributor to the show, um, and uh, Mark, we had to wait for a while to get that uh, all-black side, uh, what did you make of it? Uh, yeah, reasonably predictable, Smithy, yeah, good to be on with you, and no problems for staying up late. Um that's what you do when you're when you're dealing with jet lag. <laughs> you keep weird hours, so it's not a problem at all. Yeah, yeah, interesting squad, wasn't it? Look, not a lot of surprises. I thought Samasoni Takiaho, his promotion to to I guess starting hooker to senior hooker now, and Cody Taylor, I guess paying the price for that um, 
pretty flat July he had um, was probably the notable the notable uh, selection wasn't it uh, you know otherwise it was it was pretty steady four changes in all but of course we um, without the two top tight head props here there was always going to be a change there and Angus Tavar gets the nod there on seniority so um, probably probably a smart call a um, little bit of a surprise on the bench with Finlay Christie getting a chance at halfback. Um, Quintupaya covering, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty greenish-looking bench. Uh, if you're looking for impact, which you, we didn't really get from the All Blacks through July, Smithy, um, mm. it's gonna, it's gonna be a challenge for that group. You have to think so. But uh, overall, you know, great to see Caleb Clark back. Um, you know, steadiness in the rest of the back line um, from July. So you know, for the most part, Smithy, you have to think. Ian Foster's said to the guys, "You didn't get it done in July." You have to be better now. You get one more chance. Um, so, so uh, you know, the ball really is in the players' court, isn't it? And, and he has been reasonably consistent with them. I read your article uh, first thing this morning, uh, Mark, about uh, Foster's comments about uh, this particular selection. And uh, he was, has no doubts about the fact that we can uh, match it physic- uh, physically uh, with South Africa, but he wants us to be smarter uh, that was the theme of your article this this morning. Uh, are you convinced we can uh, first of all match it physically? I'm not. Um, and I look at that front row, Smithy um, George Bauer in his uh, uh, second season, really as an All Black, um, and really only his first as a as a starting Lucid. Samasoni Takia, how we all know he's played well for the Chiefs, but he started. I think this will be only his second start. For the All Blacks, and of course Angus Ta'avau, it's been around a while, but he's only he's played 22 tests, but again he's only started five of them. There is not a lot of front end experience in that front row, and you know they're going to um, have to bear the brunt of some pretty powerful um, Springbox challenges. So, um, you know, you have to have some doubts there. Look, look, this is three kind of um, almost unproven guys that are going to have to play. I, I think the tests of their lives to help. The All Blacks do what they have to do to win this game. So some doubts there. Um, and um, uh, the rest of the um, forward pack, you know, there, there's enough experience there to give you some hope that they can kind of deal with the spring box. But you you look at that pack with, the, you know, those wonderful second rowers and, and, and the scrum power they'll have, those big, you know, groundbreaking loose forwards. It, it's a mighty challenge coming the All Blacks' way. They've got the ability to put points on the board, Smithy, but they can. They want enough ball, want enough field position and put the pressure on the box to kind of, um, um, I guess, play from in front, which you think they're going to have to do. Um, That's the big question mark, and there have to be major doubts about it, I believe. So when he says smart rugby, uh, Mark, uh, what was unsmart in those terms against Ireland? What was was not smart to the point where he's demanding smartness? Yeah, he might have been referring to the kicking game. I think they, I think they, the All Blacks do kick the ball a lot, but I just thought they kicked poorly against Ireland. They didn't, they just didn't get it right there, and and I guess the overall sort of attack just lack seemed to lack um, the ability, to, based on the forwards' inability to I guess dominate. Uh, the attack just couldn't find um, the holes, couldn't put the runners in, into space. They they just have to find ways to be. To be more effective and to and to to retain possession was the other thing. I think, you know, we talked about we talked about that kicking. Um, I guess 
they have to be prepared to be patient as well as smart and keep the ball back themselves to wear the box down, not necessarily get through them first or second attempt. So um, I, I think he's referring to just being having a better overall um, appreciation, I guess, of the plan and sticking to it and not making those errors, not making those, I guess, inaccurate kicks that just hand the ball back to the opposition. So we, they just have to be better right across the board. And, and I think that smartness just refers to, I guess, um, not making as many clumsy errors as we saw through that Island series. You see any Jason Ryan, Ryan influence and uh, what you've been witnessing over there yet? Hard, hard to say too much about that, Smitty, because they keep us, shall we say, at quite a distance. <laughs> we don't get to watch training anymore on these uh, tours. You get in for just the tail end, but when they're warming down. Um, and um, I was out there at the um, All Black sort of rural retreat in um, the Ingwinyama, in, sorry, beg your pardon, Ingwinyama Conference and Sport Resort. A, a, quite a nice sort of self-contained um, place out there in um, in the in the provinces uh, there. Um, Sort of about, probably about 20 minutes, half an hour out of out of uh, central Nelspruit, as they used to call it, um, Mumbala, Mumbala, they call it now. Um, um, they had a good setup, but uh, you know they were very self-contained, almost like a kind of a siege type approach. Barriers were up. No, the public couldn't get where the All Blacks were. The parts of the facility they were in were all fenced off. So. <laughs> You know, I guess the, the the imagery we have, Smithy, from July and from last November is th- this is a team under siege, I guess, in so many areas. And the the reality of their week here in South Africa, their first week in South Africa, is they have been a team, you know, that have closed ranks, that have tightened up. Um, um, whether, whether that means anything on the field on Saturday, um, th- you know, the, the talk that has been that Jason Ryan has made a positive influence, but let's face it, it's been, what, a week, a week and a half. There's only so much he can do, um, really, to change around a group that that's challenges are so huge. You mentioned before uh, a real newness about the bench. I totally agree. Uh, I, that was one of the things I was looking for. Uh, uh, Coles, of course, uh, undoubted. Uh, Moonga, undoubted in their roles. But uh, apart from that, if you look at that bench... Uh, there has not been a lot of experience in a lot of areas there to come on if we're in trouble. Yeah, and if you think through that Ireland series, Smithy, how many of the final quarters did the All Blacks um, dominate or did, did the All Blacks outscore Ireland or did the All Blacks even really you know, kind of finish with any sort of positive positivity? I think the answer is none. Uh, Ireland outplayed the All Blacks off, you know, in those sort of finishing bursts and it was a big part of the series. Um they have to find a way to be more effective off the bench. And, and uh, you know, they possibly just don't have the personnel at the moment or the personnel they've got have to be so much better and so much more effective. I think it's going to be a big part of the series. If you think about these All Blacks uh, box matches of late, I think since the 57-0 thrashing in Al- Al- Albany, uh, Smithy, there's been seven matches and uh, six of those have been decided by two points or less. Um uh, uh, the exception being the 10-point win at the World Cup. So, you know, if recent history is any guide, it's going to be a, a heck of a tight contest. And, you know, really those sort of uh, matches come down to how can you boss that last 20 minutes? The All Blacks simply have to be so much better in that area of the game. 
Springboks uh, named their side uh, a lot earlier than the All Blacks, so they made their intentions very clear. They're big. There's no doubt about that. I've also gone for a 6-2 um, bench split, six forwards, two backs, which emphasises the, the physicality they're going to bring for 80 minutes exactly. Yeah, it's... Um you know, there, there, there really are no secrets when it comes to the South Africans. <laughs> they're big, they're strong, and they're going to come at you for the full 80. Um, you know, the 6-2 split, starting Malcolm Marks at hooker, um, bringing Faf de Klerk back um, as their starting halfback. They're all indications that, you know, they're going to play that game. We'll, we'll expect the game. I guess it, we've, in New Zealand we've come to admire the... They're good at it, you know, particularly of late since since Rassi Erasmus came on board um, post that 27 thrashing in Albany and turned things around. They've they've kind of figured out the game that works for them and, and they've stuck to it and they've just got better and better at it. And, and even when they don't play that well, you know, in Australia last year, if you think back to those two encounters, I didn't think the box were really good, but they were good enough. And, the, you know, to split that series in a, in a really sort of tight battle and easily could have won them both. So, um they're 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 a real danger. Um, there won't be any surprises. You know, <laughs> they'll bash us up front. They'll kick a lot. They'll chase like men possessed. But they just they'll just be so good at it that the All Blacks will have to find a way to counter it and have to find a way to I guess unsettle them as well because there'll be plenty coming their way. Mark. Uh... Over here, we've sort of been discussing it, of course, that uh, these two test matches are vitally important for the future of uh, Ian Foster as head coach. Uh, is that what you're, now that you're on the ground over there, do you, do you see this as make or break for him in the next fortnight? Oh, it absolutely is. I don't think Mark Robinson um, left any doubt about that, did he, with his, with his very well-chosen words um, out of Birmingham, you know, basically refusing to endorse uh, Foster beyond South Africa. Um, make made it very clear what's acceptable is one one acceptable does it have to be two uh, I would I would think you know a split series uh, might be enough for him to survive but two losses and and you have to think <laughs> he's coming home scanning the jobs wanted um, um, and you have to think the New Zealand public would demand it so um, these are huge tests not just for the All Blacks because you know they're as we all know. Um, I guess their their brand, their image, their legacy, whatever you want to say, it's taken a hit in the last um, six months or so, hasn't it? But also for Ian Foster as a coach, um, if he wants to go through to the World Cup and have any chance of kind of changing this narrative, he has to win at least one of these two tests. And you have to think if he doesn't win this Saturday, it becomes very, very difficult leaving Dallas Park. So does that mean... Um the career of Scott Robertson is on hold at the moment, then. I mean, if he goes, they must have a ready-made replacement standing by pretty closely, you would assume. Well, you know, it, it, you have to think it, could, it can only be one of um, one of two options. Either Scott Robertson is ready to come in, and look, we don't know for sure, do we? Everyone's playing their cards pretty close to their chest on that. Scott Robertson's sort of signing up to go and coach the Barbars up north, so... You know, we're not 100% sure around his availability and, you know, his his wording and his, I guess, um, um, comments um, have, have, have suggested that, you know, he's maybe a little bit tired of, of being uh, treated as a second fiddle in New Zealand rugby. So whether he's ready, only really he, he and possibly New Zealand rugby know. And, of course, there's the John Sh- uh, 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 Joe Schmidt um, um, option 
and we're all told, of course, or we'll, we'll get the impression that he really doesn't want to commit to a full-time role with the All Blacks. That's the that's the big vibe. So unless he has a massive change in heart, you have to think um, if Foster does go, and you know it's in doubt, and we'll see what happens in the next two weeks. But if Foster does go, you have to think it has to be Scott Robertson to step up. Yeah, it does. Well, uh, Mark, we'll let you get some um, much-needed sleep, um, and uh, we thank you very much for staying up uh, this late again. It's just uh, it's it's such a huge weekend, um, it's such a, a defining weekend, I think, for for all black rugby. Have we hit rock bottom? Have we turned the corner, uh, or is there still a margin to go down? And that, I, I think that pretty much uh, is the essence of the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, Smithy. I just, I just, you know, there's just so much riding on this game, I and mean, this is always a massive contest, isn't it? But when, when so much is on it for the from the All Black side of things, um, you know, it really ramps it up even more. This is kind of like a World Cup semi-final or final to me. I mean, I, I, you just think if the All Blacks have any hope of changing this thing, of turning things around, it has to start right here and now. Absolutely, Mark. Okay, thank you very much for that update. Enjoying your articles. Uh, keep them coming. Love it. Thank you very much for your time as well. Appreciate it. Yeah, good on you, Smitty. No worries. Yeah, cheers. Mark Hinton there, uh, live uh, out of uh, South Africa with his uh, thoughts on that all-black side. And there is uh, an experimental look about uh, uh, the front row. There's no doubt about that. I just wonder how much uh, Jason Ryan had to say uh, about those particular players coming in and uh, uh, to make up that, that front three. Uh, surely he would have had some input into that. I mean, he's the forwards coach, the new forwards coach. They brought him in for a reason. So is that a, a sign of things to come? Uh, also, of course, um, you know, the, the other thing, the, the influence um, of <coughs> of the importance of really uh, of what it has to be. I mean, it, as he said, it's like a, a World Cup semi-final, a World Cup final for Ian Foster because his second prize is probably the door if it doesn't work out right. It's 9.20 here on SENZ. We'd love your thoughts on that. I can give you uh, a netball update. Uh, with 2 minutes and 15 seconds to go, New Zealand are now 9 goals behind. 9 goals behind. So we've done that one. Uh, the England Roses have knocked over the Silver Ferns quite, uh, quite conclusively with a very strong second-half performance. We'll be back very shortly. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy's Metal Tally Update. Give your tech the winning edge of this Commonwealth Games with the experts at Noel Leeming. Right, the medal tally as it stands at the moment. Australia uh, out in front with 127 medals in all. Uh, they have 48 golds, 40 silver and 39 bronze. England closing in though, they're just 12 medals behind now. 42 golds, 43 silver and 30 bronze with 115. Canada uh, level on golds with us but have more medals in other departments so they are officially third. 16 golds, 20 silver, 22 bronze with a total of 58. And for us today, Georgia Williams uh, got uh, a bronze medal um, in the women's time trial and uh, that means that uh, we are now 16 golds, 11 silver, 10 bronze with a total of 37. Uh, this confirming that uh, we did lose the netball quite conclusively. They blew us away in the last two quarters. Absolutely England in front of a fever pitch crowd. I mean a real party atmosphere crowd. So uh, that uh, means at the moment uh, we've played, uh, we've won four out of five. So we sit second behind England on the table with our top dogs. So uh, it looks like they'll go ahead and qualify top in that pool. 
Uh, and what that means in the ramifications of the draw, I'm not too sure, but it might mean that, uh, in fact, I can tell you now that uh, Jamaica uh, lead Pool A uh, on 10 points, Australia and the netball uh, have eight, so uh, they've had a loss. South Africa have lost two with six, so it's looking like uh, Jamaica and Australia going through. And at the moment, uh, on those ratings, we would be playing Jamaica in the, the semi-finals as such. So uh, just looking at that, uh, New Zealand against, uh, that was a, a crucial win, a crucial win for England this morning. And as I said, uh, scores were pretty much level going into the third quarter. And then they just took it apart. And uh, their shooting circle, uh, led by Helen Hounsby, uh, the goal attack was absolutely brilliant, spot on. And we were not quite that good. Simple as that. So uh, work to be done for Dame Nolene and the ladies. Uh, just repeating, uh, we've got five double passes to give away for Wellington against Bay of Plenty. So if you're in Bay of Plenty and you're travelling down to Wellington to watch the game, um, text us on double eight double three. or if you're a Wellingtonian and you intend going to the game, uh, we've got five double passes to give away. So double eight double three. tell us your fat, best fact about the, the Wellington Lions or Bay of Plenty. It could be about the team, a player, or even... Um, the animal, actually. You could talk about the lions. That's what the boys are thinking. So Logan and Brian will pick five winners at the end of the show to dish out those five double passes too. Um, and also uh, after 9.30, we're soliciting calls uh, about uh, the All Blacks, of course, about the Commonwealth Games, about the NPC coming up. What about your local allegiance? How do you think your particular uh, local side is, is going to go? Uh, look forward to your thoughts on that. We'll be talking to... Uh, the director of uh, rugby for Wellington, uh, and that's uh, Leo Crowley. He's in charge of the Wellington Lions. Uh, has a very experienced coaching panel alongside him and a very experienced-looking squad in a lot of departments. So uh, we'll uh, be catching up with Leo Crowley very shortly. Uh, and also the panel this morning, Ross Carl and Levina Good, with their thoughts on uh, the All Blacks, now that that's been named. The NPC, uh, rugby provincial rugby, is back in town. Commonwealth Games, uh, and uh, of course the, the, it was a, a really bad morning for our women's sports teams there with the, the White Ferns getting absolute pulverising from England, uh, who are without their captain here tonight, and the Silver Ferns, as we've just talked about, uh, also coming second by quite a margin. So not a good uh, morning for the ladies uh, in the Commonwealth Games for us. It's uh, coming up to 9.30, and I think it's time we should have some news. Our first update for the day with Araha. Back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Yep, that number again, 0800 150 811. Get on the blower if uh, you want to be in line to win a Chemist Warehouse voucher to the value of $50. And this morning, we've got Zaid on the line first up. Zaid, good morning to you. Um, How you going, mate? How's, yeah, looking, how are the Commonwealth Games treating you, mate? Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, very good. Um, it was a great day yesterday, obviously. Um, you know, we had just medals falling everywhere. Paul Cole, um, you know, um, goes to see young Maddie get a bronze, um, which was quite good as well. Um, Hamish Kerr, the gold, and he uh, bet out Mitchell Stark's brother to the gold, which was pretty good. So it's pretty That's good, good to be. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. So this weekend, of course, the NPC starts. So um, your side will be in action, no doubt, Zade. And of course, the, the All Blacks. So uh, what do you make of that? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Battle of the Bridge. Um, looking forward to. I think the last one, um, Auckland lost. We obviously didn't play last year because of COVID, really. So I'll be interested to see how Auckland goes. Um, 
I'm interested in two players that I've heard about. Um, Jackson Pugh from the Force and Connor Vest from the Reds. Well, obviously, because um, Australians can't play for two rugby teams from New Zealand. So that's a bit different. And um, good to see. I'm actually excited to see how Harry Plummer recovers from his injury. It's great to see um, him back named the team. They've got the young boys backing up from the NPC. You know, Corey Evans and AJ Lamb. But no, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good, good um, intense battle against um, North Harbour. I think I might be going along tomorrow night to it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game, actually. Um, nothing better than a bit of, um, yeah, watching Auckland play NPC. Um, you know, they haven't won in a few years. I think it was, well, not too long, 2018, that great final against Canterbury. But quickly on the All Blacks, um, yeah, it's going to be a hard for, It's going to be a hard game, you know, reversing the Yarpies. Um, in, in, South Africa, in South Africa, the Springboks, and, um, you know, um, our form hasn't been great lately, but good to see Kango Clark back in the team. Um, yeah, but it's it's going to be a close game. I think definitely if the All Blacks can win, it's probably going to be like, I think it's about the last seven games or something have been decided by two points, so it's going to be a close one. We've got to watch out for the... Um, Springboks kicking, and every time um, Pollard gets a chance to go for a penalty, he's not gonna he's not gonna turn up the opportunity. And then, don't they have the France Wastane? Is he on the bench or no? Oh, look, the bench worries me a wee bit, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I don't see a lot of uh, experience and, and impact. I don't see too many out-and-out match winners coming off the bench. And um, to be uh, honest with you. Uh, Zayda, and that's an area where I think will be crucial because, as you point out, there's not going to be a lot in this test match. Uh, it will be very close towards the end, and you're going to have a, some sort of match winner or some sort of, um, you know, player who's going to make a difference coming off the bench. That, that to me, uh, is a r- real concern. Thanks very much for your call, mate. Enjoy the weekend of sport. Really, I hope you do. Uh, that battle of the bridge, in particular, Dean from Dunedin. G'day, mate. How are you? Sorry, Smithy. Hey. Yeah, I'm a wee bit concerned with our flash Harry sports in New Zealand underperforming, to be brutally honest. Like, hopefully the netball weren't really too concerned. Like, they knew that they had Jamaica. I'd rather play Jamaica if I was um, Nolene than um, Australia. Maybe Australia are thinking the same, using their, their criminal ancestry brain and saying, well, the best place to beat England's in a semi-final because come a gold medal match, the crowd would be mental. So they might have, you know play the old hand early and get get on the other side of the draw. So, yes, you've got to win the, to get the gold medal. You've got to be in the big dance, haven't you, at the end of the day? You can't win it from bronze medal match. So I don't know. don't know. don't know what's going on with New Zealand sport. But for me, there's a real worry with the ones that, as you say, getting all the money and they're not, I mean, they're not performing. None of them are. Right. Yeah, I, look, I, I totally believe I, I think the cricket side of things is predictable. I didn't uh, ha- hold out much hope uh, for them winning a gold medal in this. I'd be very, very surprised if they do. Uh, and if they do, it'll be on the performance on the back of three players um, and with that, without them firing up. If two of those three don't don't uh, come off, we're in big trouble. And I'm talking about Bates, Devine and uh, Mealy Kerr as well. Uh, Dean, uh, the All Black side, uh, you had a quick look at it? Yeah, I think we're all concerned, and rightfully so, but, I mean, it's... Jeez, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but really, are we concerned? Like, I just, I'm, I haven't been happy for years, so 
as much as I, I've got a bit of money on South Africa like most other people have, but I, I'm happy to lose it if New Zealand win. I'm happy to say that, but if it gets rid of Forster and Razor gets a crack, well, I don't, I don't care. Mate. Like, honestly, I'm looking forward to watching it. It'll be brutal, but I just think they're going to beat us up. I can't see us getting any ball. We're going to have the flashes back. It's the Hurricanes. We're the Hurricanes, mate. You can have a million-dollar back one, but when you've got a $2 shop, bloody Ford pack, no, it's not going to happen. And when Victor Matfield writes what he writes about Sam Kane, and you read it and you think, well, I agree with every word he said. I've said it on the radio. I feel sorry for Sam Kane to come back from the injury. He's a great player, but just... Uh, Artie Savier has to be at seven. Oh, that's how I see it. And we've got to find a number eight. Don't know who it is. We've just got to find one. Like We'll go give Sam Kane a hard time if he misses two tackles. If you watch the second game of the Maoris, this was pointed out to me by one of those fine gentlemen from the Southern Rugby Club here in Dunedin. Callum Grace missed three. And no one goes on about it, you know. They just make him out that he's the next best thing. But he missed three, so if he was Sam Kane, he would have got rubbished as well. So I don't know. Like, I just don't know. It worries me. And the, and the fact that they've picked four forwards and two backs, you don't have Einstein to figure out what they're going to try and do. Pollard's going to kick it down there for inside the 22, and the Lundies will run it Rico Iwani. And, well, at the end of the day, it could be the end of Forrester. It might be the end of those two boys, too. If Akira's the invisible man and Sam Kane does what Sam Kane does, we've got flipping six forwards against eight, and then they're going to bring on some four more that are fresh legs, and that Crocus Smith bugger, he'll come on, he'll be offside, and he'll slow the ball. What ball we do get, he'll slow it down, and he'll tackle everything. The nose will get smashed to bits again, but he'll just keep going, you know. I'm just... Yeah, Malcolm Marks, man, I love that brute. Like, he's just a brute. First try, first try, second half. I'll put 10 bucks on both of them and just sit back and watch. Dino, uh, enjoy the weekend. Thanks very much for your call. I hope uh, you sound a bit, um, bit down in the dumps there, uh, mate. So I hope you have uh, a nice uh, weekend, uh, perhaps a couple at the law courts to just get you through. That would be great. John from uh, Auckland. Good morning to you, John. Uh, it's been a while since I heard from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning, Smithy. Nice to hear from you too. Hey, um, yeah, I don't hold much hope in the um, in the New Zealand cricket team in the Commonwealth Games getting a gold medal or a medal for that instance. Uh, they're pretty shocking this morning. Um, no doubt England probably, you know, they're up there for gold or silver uh, and they showed their quality. Also, I'd like to point out the New Zealand men's hockey team. Really disappointing. You know, they lost to South Africa. Uh, who are ranked 15th, New Zealand ranked 9th, and um, I understand they haven't played international hockey in a while, uh, but yeah, it's just really disappointing. They won't be in the medal race um, this time around. I think first time maybe that they haven't been in the medal race in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, as for our netballers, um, I expected that. England are probably the best team in the world at the moment. Uh, New Zealand are kind of in a rebuilding phase. When we won that World Cup, we had Maria Folau in... Um, you know, we had a lot of veterans that were still there, and they've all gone now, and some have had babies, and fair enough. And that English team just showed that, you know, they're on that path to winning the gold medal. Same as Jamaica, um, Australia, yeah, they've lost a bit of their, their talent as well. So I expected that result, Smithy. Um, but, yeah, just really disappointed in the hockey. I don't, I don't really want to talk about the rugby, because this Commonwealth Games has been so good. Um, but yeah, just really disappointed in our hockey boys. I mean, I know you're a big hockey watcher coming from the Hawks Bay. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I watched that game. Uh, I watched the last uh, two quarters of that game uh, this morning when I got up, and um, uh, they were a bit unlucky. A couple of calls went against them, um, and they did have opportunities. Um, so it, it could have gone either way. 
Uh, but you're right. Um, uh, for Greg Nickel, it's been a poor campaign. Um, you know, the relatively new coach of the the hockey black sticks for, uh, and I, I just, I, I just kind of think that um, they need to reassess, take a step back and reassess. Whereas I think the women's uh, side of things is uh, is in much better shape, uh, and I, I'm expecting a little bit more from them. Uh, John, thank you very much uh, for your call. Enjoy your weekend uh, watching all the sport that is available to us coming in. Uh, Kerry from Manawatu. Uh, morning, Kerry. Yeah, morning. How are you, Smithy? I'm good. I'm absolutely fine, and um, I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, a defining weekend for New Zealand sport. I think I'll sum it up that way. Yep, I think um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for the NPC to start. Um, yeah, Bearford is full, ready to go, and I think I reckon the All Blacks are going to win. Um, I think okay. they would have had they would have had themselves absolutely. Drilled all week, plenty of meetings. Um, even if they haven't got the respect of Foster, it's still going to be a little bit on them, isn't it? Um, I think it'll be a cracker game. I really do. And um, you, yeah, and what's that? You, are you you confident, Kerry, um, uh, with the side that he's named, the bench in particular? You, you think there's enough quality there to withstand South Africa for the full eighty minutes? Um. Not overly um, excited about the bench, I must admit. Um, but I think if we can get a good start, and if Bowden Barrett gets a bit of room, and Will Jordan, um, Smith has a good game if he's going to box kick, if he does that um, um, well. And obviously, a bit of altitude with um, Geordie Barrett. Um, Kira Ioane, he's going to have to have a big in. He's going to have to play uh, out of his skin for 60 minutes, not just doodle around the back and do the odd run-up. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think it'll be a good game. I think I think if, um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be a different All Black performance. It's going to have to be. And then going back to the NPC with my men or two team, they've got a pretty tough start, but. There's only one thing that's on their mind this year, and that they'll be getting the shield. Oh, well, could be quite a bit of disappointing winter. Could be quite a disappointing winter for you then, Kerry, all round, if, uh, if, you, if, if that's the case, I've got to say. Oh, oh, I, had to, I, had to, I had to chuck that in, mate. I had to chuck that in. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm, I am looking forward to the NPC. Um, it's, it's our... It's our um, our competition of the year, and it's and it certainly brings out some good young fellas um, in every in every squad, and um, yeah, it'll, it'll be good. It's the future. Yeah, it's the it's the present and the future of New Zealand rugby. That's what I like about it, and uh, are all good people involved at that level as well. Hey, mate, have a great weekend, uh, and uh, we'll catch up again uh, next week. Hopefully, give us uh, give us another call. Uh, thank you very much to everyone, um, and uh, keep those texts coming in. Double eight, double three. You Wellingtonians that want to go to the game, we've got five double passes to give away uh, for Wellington against the Bay of Plenty, and that is four thirty-five on Sunday afternoon at Sky Stadium. We'll be back shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Oh, I've got some texts to get through. Uh, thanks very much for those on double eight, double three. 
Uh, Ice Smithy, that doesn't look like a strong team. I think the scrum will struggle. Can't see us winning. Unnamed text there, but uh, echoes the thoughts of uh, a lot of people. Uh, Simon's come in and said, sorry, your uh, Thomas bet didn't pay off in the time trial, as predicted, though. No place for uh, Aaron Gate. No, there wasn't going to be any place for him, was it, uh, at 26 to 1? Um, so people might have done a bit of money there. Uh, Rowan uh, Carroll, I think uh, was, I think it's Rowan Carroll won it. I'll just uh, have to recheck that. Rowan Dennis, sorry, Rowan Dennis uh, won it. Uh, and my pick uh, was uh, Garrett Thomas, the Welshman, who crashed early and uh, from that point onwards wasn't really a much of a factor in it, uh, but did manage to finish uh, fast enough to get a bronze medal. Uh, Smithy, do you think it's strange there is no men's netball at the Commonwealth Games? Is there any other sport where only a single sex competes? Yes, well, the cricket is in that particular bracket then at the moment. Uh, it's just the women's cricket, no men's cricket there. Uh, considering our men's teams fresh, the women, I would say we would be real contenders for a medal. And uh, I think that's an interesting point you bring up, actually, Ben. Uh, and I just uh, I wonder, too, about the professional side of it. I mean, the, the men's netball side of things is distinctly amateur. But um, when they consistently play against the, the Silver Ferns, they beat them. So, in effect, they're probably the best netball team in the country, collectively, uh, the men's team. Uh, but they do it for nothing, and uh, maybe it's time that uh, we looked at uh, the, the way they are treated and uh, perhaps pushing for o more overseas competition. I'd like to see it, Ben. Uh, good point. Dan says, uh, you're right, Smithy, weakish-looking all-black bench if we're under pressure. Uh, read the Wellington Lions, fourth favourite, a bit flattering, but if our wee men, Aidan Morgan and Ruben Lovefire, can make the playoffs, good on you, Danny. We'll get you some tickets, I'm sure. The boys will uh, get you some tickets for the rugby if you want to go on Sunday afternoon. Uh, also, uh, I would love to get on air and send a lot more confidence and positive towards our All Blacks. I love Ireland beating us. Uh, absolutely loved it. All this has done is wake the players, coaches up in New Zealand. We have so uh, been so arrogant and complacent for too many years. I have my money on an All Black victory. Uh, the Ireland loss is an absolute positive, perfect timing before the World Cup. By the way, bugger the Springboks, the Chiefs. Uh, they are good, however. They do a good job at giving them self uh, self effort affirmations. Uh, again, predicting an all-black win, I will expect a $50 voucher when this victory comes to fruition. Find the positives, please. Well, I'll just uh, leave it at that. I'm just waiting now. for the, I can't wait for kickoff. absolutely. Uh, hi, Smithy. I, I hope, like it, all hell, the all-blacks lose both games. I hate saying that, but if that's what it takes to get rid of Foster, then so be it. A lot of people saying that uh, around the country too, just not on uh, our airwaves. Um, people are saying that uh, in comments. You look at stuff, uh, things about uh, stuff articles about Ian Foster. People willing us to lose. Has it got to that point? Has it really got to that point? Uh, that is from uh, Go the Naki from Chop. Chop, nice to hear from you. It is 9.53 here on SENZ, the multi before 10 o'clock. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, a weekend multi. A uh, bit of rugby and a bit of rugby league involved. Uh, Argentina, I'll take Argentina with the point start, which is 6.5 points start against Australia. It's in Argentina, of course. Uh, I think they'll be very tough in that first test match, so Australia have got their work cut out there. So I'll take that uh, at the $1.92. Uh, the Panthers, uh, even without Cleary, to beat the Raiders at $1.68. 
the Tigers, who are on a really nice little roll all of a sudden to beat the Hapless Knights at $1.49. Uh, and Hawks Bay, I'll take them as well with the four and a half point start against Waikato at $1.87. So Argentina plus 6.5, the Panthers into the West Tigers, into Hawks Bay plus 4.5 versus Waikato, and that would be $8.98. $8.98, a nice return for the weekend multi. After the break, we're talking to Leo Crowley, the director of rugby for the Wellington Lions. It's 10 o'clock, and here's Aroha. Gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the Bunnings MPC starts this uh, weekend. In fact, it starts tonight. But uh, for the Wellington Lions, it starts on Sunday afternoon against the Bay of Plenty at 4.35. That's at Sky Stadium in the capital. Uh, and it's uh, a really exciting-looking uh, Wellington Lions squad, I've got to say. Uh, on the line, we've got uh, the director of rugby for them, Leo Crowley. Leo, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. Uh, Leo, uh, what about the new format? Are you, are you impressed with uh, the way the, the MPC is uh, shaping this year in terms of its format? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good change-up, I think. Um, as we've seen over the last couple of years, any team, um, if they've built uh, for the season, they've got a chance to win the major premiership. So, yeah, no, I think it's a good initiative. Yeah, definitely. OK, right. Uh, let's uh, look at the, the squad that you have available to you and, and on mass and then we'll talk about the team you've picked for for this weekend in particular but uh, you've got uh, eight players with all black experience uh, available to you perhaps at certain stages uh, Leo I, ha- I hasten to add that uh, but it, it, it is uh, really the epitome of a squad of experience and youth isn't it? Yeah definitely it's um, been building for a, for a year you know like we introduced quite a few uh, new young players last year they're all a year older and yeah, we had a bit of a bonus, unfortunately, for the players, but like TJ and Asafo um, dropping back down to us as well. So, you know, we're, we're pretty uh, happy where, where we're at as, as a squad and, and we want to build the competition within it. And all these players are basically uh, Wellington-based players as such, yeah? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, like Don Bird's obviously with the Hurricanes and, and has chosen to stay in Wellington. So... So that that's a, a positive for us. But yeah, there's a lot of been through the uh, Wellington Rugby Academy. So um, yeah, we, no, we're pretty uh, happy about the Wellington field with what we've got. Looking at uh, the side that you've picked uh, for Sunday, which includes uh, a very experienced locking duo and James Blackwell and Dominic Bird. Now Dom, Dominic, I think, has been recovering from uh, shoulder injury or shoulder surgery. Uh, so how are you looking? At, that's a, a pretty experienced pack you've been able to put together. Yeah, I think we've got uh, great depth through the middle row there with um, with Caleb as well, backing up on the experience front and obviously Duplessis. And we've got, a, we've got an exciting young uh, loose forward trio. You know, uh, Dupes is an old himself, but he's by far the most experienced. And uh, we've got a couple of really, um, you know, top top class hookers there and James O'Reilly and Asafo. And it's, it's basically the... Uh, the young guns in the front row this week. We've got a few experienced boys uh, that have missed the start line this week, but uh, as the season goes, um, hopefully we can uh, get parity up there. Tell us a wee bit about uh, Peter Lakai. Yeah, a very exciting player. Um, obviously, um, he's had three years in the academy. He uh, joined the Hurricanes this year as a, one of the uh, ITC players. and Yeah, he's got a huge future in the game, and 
you know, he's about to go on stage in New Zealand as such, even though he's had had uh, two years with the under-20s. He's going to, you know, people people will, will be impressed. His skill set's amazing, and, and for a young kid, his humility is just a, he's just a top kid, yeah. I would imagine um, a lot of uh, rugby coaches around the world at uh, any level would be quite jealous of the back line that uh, you were able to put together with all the talent that you've got there. Uh, led, of course, uh, at the base by uh, TJ Perinara and uh, a young Aidan Morgan gets uh, the first start at 10 this time around. Now, that is a proven combination. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great for um, us to have TJ amongst us, definitely. And, um, and Aidan and, uh, has had, a, had a, his first year of super and, you know, is really great as a player. And he's got, um, you know, Jackson Gunn Bishop um, in his ear all the time. And, it's the the learning that he's getting and around um, you know how to facilitate the team and during the week etc cetera, etc cetera. and and then of course they have got Tony Ellison coaching them so they're they're a pretty fortunate bunch really it's um, yeah it's a good setup we've got here at the moment and uh, you've got uh, of course uh, Billy Proctor at centre Julian Severe um, on one wing which is uh, pretty exciting Pepisana Patafilo on the other wing. Uh, Riley Higgins is a relatively new name. Yeah, he's he's the same now. That, um, he's had uh, two years in his own twenties now. Come through the academy. He he's a big kid, and um, he's got you know he's very strong on the ball, and um, be really interesting to watch uh, Riley go. You know, he he knew he was playing this Sunday three weeks ago, so he he's had. Uh, opportunity to prepare and he's got um, you know he's got a bit of class inside him and he's got a lot of experience outside him so I'm sure he'll um, he'll do well himself yeah we saw the explosive uh, nature of uh, Ruben Love on a couple of opportunities uh, that he got for New Zealand Maori uh, against uh, the touring Irish side um, do you see him as an out and out 15 Ruben no no not necessarily but um, yeah, like we've got good depth there at ten, and um, it's about getting Ruben out on the, on the paddock. His skill set's amazing, and you know, we're just we feel a bit more space out in the, in the backfield, and and uh, get his confidence um, at the highest level. And you know, if they kick the ball to Ruben, he'll, he'll definitely bring it back. But you know, long long term, he, he's he's definitely a uh, a ten option for us as well. Yes. Okay, uh, let's uh, also take a, a quick look at um, your bench, which includes uh, both the Garden Bashups. So, uh, experience and uh, I mean, Connor Garden Bashup has, has been so impressive for the Highlanders. Yeah, it's um, Connor's ended up on the bench. We've had a fair bit of sickness go through our group uh, since our last preseason game, so he missed half the week. So he he's landed on the bench, but you know he had a had a terrific um, multi campaign and. And yeah, we love having him around, and um, I'm sure he'll get plenty of opportunity as the weeks go forward. What kind of prep have you been able to get into the side, Leo? Yeah, I think um, oh, for some of us, we've been in uh, had that little bug, so we've been in a bit of a lockdown. But um, the team's prepared really well. Uh, very lucky down here with the coaching group with Paul Tito, Greg Helford, and Tamari. That we you just can't let little. Um, um, obstacles stand in your way so we're, we're prepared really well we feel um, and really looking forward to Sunday So let's uh, talk about Bay of Plenty, have you been able to do any homework on uh, on their squad? Oh, it, You just 
end up seeing their their last preseason game, and most coaches, including ourselves, you know, we um, it's about giving guys opportunity to 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 put their hand up for team selection. But at the end of the day, the first week or two is very much about yourself. You know, if your own game isn't in order, it's a waste of time worrying about the opposition. So we've really concentrated on ourselves, and we're you know we've got um, aims as a group this year that um, we want to fulfil. You know. Timing's everything, and we feel we've built this squad over the last couple of years. So um, it's time to go out there and play. I was going to say, so that means your your aspirations are, are pretty high this time around. Oh, I think I think they are um, with with most teams in the competition. Um, you know, we we missed out on semis in the last couple of years, and that's a you know it's a Achilles heel. It's not the last game. It, it's it's the games. Um, yeah, you know, opportunities must be taken week by week because this competition is going to be tight. Leo, just looking um, at Wellington rugby in general, I mean, this is a pretty high-profile side you've been able to put together uh, in terms of your squad. I, I just wonder about the depth of Wellington rugby. I mean, people are saying the game could be in trouble in, in some of the province, uh, provincial areas in terms of numbers of Colts sides and young kids going elsewhere. What, what do you assess it at in terms of Wellington? I don't think we um, are any different. I, I, I think the, the numbers is a worry. Um, sometimes when you have a quite a high-profile um, senior squad, the boys underneath get uh, get opportunities in other unions, and that's a, a big thing for us this year. There's five or six of our, our boys playing for other, other unions. So um, I think we're all the same, um, but there's definitely uh, issues moving forward around around numbers in the, especially in the club club area. There's one other player I, I wanted to ask you about as well because uh, probably uh, his best days are, are maybe a little bit past, uh, but Nehemona Scudder joins the squad um, and I would imagine that is uh, of uh, a great benefit to, to some of the younger guys. Oh, it definitely is. Um, when uh, Nehi went to um, the States, uh, we said to him that you come home injury-free, there'll be uh, space for you here. And he, he picked all the boxes. And and to be quite fair, our, our game against Taranaki last weekend, uh, he was on fire. It was, it was just so good to see um, that he's absolutely still got it. And, you know, um, so he, he's joined the sickness crew this week. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll be definitely looking to put him out there. But just, just having him and... Uh, Julian and, and uh, TJ and, and Blackie you know, um, amongst the group. It's because we have got uh, you know there's four academy boys making their debut on um, Sunday. So you know there's a bit of nerve in the camp, but there's also that um, experience that um, you know that you're good enough. You just got to go out there and put it on the paddock now. Okay, Leo. Uh, all the best for. Uh, Sunday against Bayer Plenty, I'll be down there actually myself, so I look forward to catching up in person and thank you very much for your time, all the best uh, in the final couple of days of preparation and we'll see you then yeah, Thanks mate, cheers Yeah, cheers, Leo Crowley there who is the Director of Rugby and yes, his coaching structure is uh, pretty impressive Tamati Allison uh, looking after the backs and, uh, and the forward side of things, you've got uh, uh, Paul Tito and Greg Halford uh, Greg Halford looking after the scrummaging side of things uh, and, and uh, that really is a very experienced coaching group uh, and a pretty experienced side when, when you look at uh, who they've got on uh, offer uh, and this this weekend alone you look at a back line that uh, is uh, Perinara, Morgan, 
Patafilo, Higgins, Proctor, Severe, and Love. Uh, that is uh, as good a backline as any competition will, uh, any side in this competition will be able to put together this year. I assure you. It is ten fourteen here on SENZ panel shortly. Lavina Good and Ross Carl with us uh, this morning to experience panellists. Uh, Lavina, Commonwealth Games have been pretty damn good from a New Zealand point of view. Not so good this morning with, uh, with the White Ferns and the Silver Ferns both losing to England. But overall, what's your perspective been? Outstanding. Proud. Proud to be a Kiwi. I was in Sydney last weekend and obviously all the coverage was about Australia, Australia, Australia and we're touching base as to what was happening back here. And then on the back of yesterday, just tremendous um, medals for New Zealand. And I think it's really answered some questions, Smitty, when people have been looking at the framework and the connections in organisations like Cycling New Zealand or even New Zealand Swimming that has copped it over the last two decades as to not being able to produce champion athletes. And I think those organisations have come out and answered their critics. So it's been great for New Zealand to be able to celebrate so many medals, but also, I guess, maybe say the last decade hasn't been too bad in terms of preparation for an event like this. So, yeah, it's been really entertaining watching. I'm looking forward to watching some more. And the thing is, the Kiwis don't always have to win medals for it to be something that's exciting. Zoe Hobbs yesterday getting a six in the 100 metres was absolutely remarkable. And it's stuff like that that just makes you really proud to be a Kiwi. And, yeah, something's definitely going right in terms of Sport New Zealand and what we're able to produce at an international level. It makes you really proud. It does, it does. Uh, Ross Carl, I would imagine the numbers have been good throughout the night uh, on Sky Television as uh, you've been covering uh, all the events on uh, five or six channels. It's been great, the coverage. Um, uh, what have been the highlights for you, Ross? So far, I really enjoy Hamish Kerr as a guy. Um, incredibly straight up, quite un-New Zealand-like in the way that he will just say how he feels and what he thinks of himself and how he rates himself. And over the last year or so, his high jumping has just got better and better and better on the world stage. And admittedly, you know, the Commonwealth Games high jump isn't the most competitive in the world, and that probably goes across a few of the different disciplines. Um, but watching him succeed and seeing him talk in a way that is unashamedly confident and, you know, probably lacks, I don't know if it lacks humility, but not in the, the Kiwi way that we expect humility to be. I really enjoyed him. I kind of uh, think, Ross, uh, if I look back, I mean, and they still got medals. Uh, I'm talking about the two sevens teams. Uh, I, I can't think of too many really poor performances um, from uh, our, our team as such. No, no. I, I mean, it was pretty tough watch with the Silver Ferns this morning. Um, they really struggled to get the ball down court, didn't they? And, and they've got a few issues and been very lucky to have Jamaica topple Australia so they don't have to get Australia in the semis and maybe have a chance of making the final. But um, I'd say that's the only thing that I've watched where I've been like, I really don't feel like you're where you need to be right now. No, all right. Um, Lavina, um, the All Blacks named overnight um, and four changes going in from uh, Ian Foster and his uh, selection group. Uh, we, see, we keep saying it, but uh, how important this test match <laughs> It's not just important, Smitty, for, for the All Blacks to play well. It's not up to the performance. They need a win. They have to come out with a win. And, you know, they're putting a bit of pressure on Cody Taylor, who's who's gone, who was pedestrian, I guess, when he played against Ireland. So he's, he's won cab off the rank. But I think we need to remember that the ABs lost to the box just October last year. 
And during that time and since then, there's been plenty of performance shortcomings, including some of the senior players. Like the the tapping on the shoulder to Cody Taylor could easily happen to Retallick or Barrett or Dane Coles or even Whitelock. Like this group has been brilliant for the All Blacks in recent years but not so much recently so a lot of questions will be answered I really don't understand why Dalton Papali hasn't been picked I reckon throughout the super rugby campaign he was the best open sider out there and I I really reckon he deserved to crack I like the selection of Caleb Clark but he has to get the ball don't just pick someone out there that is electrifying on the wing like you've got Will Jordan on the other side if they're not going to get the ball to him so this is the first test for the All Blacks in South Africa, I think, since 2018. And I'm sure the box had a good look at that performance Ireland had against the All Blacks. They had heaps of balance in attack and they had a really strong maul. And you can expect that plus many, many other things from South Africa. So plenty of questions to be answered. Lots of pressure on the senior playing group and a tremendous amount of pressure on Ian Foster. A good performance won't crack it. A victory will do it. So let's see how they go. Lavina, can you remember a time in New Zealand rugby where a coach and uh, his captain have been more vilified? Not, not so much as now. No, I can't actually. I think really now the questions are being asked and, and it's easy to drop a couple of players and bring others in, but the New Zealand rugby public demand a performance from a side that is very well nurtured financially and emotionally supported by a country. And those questions will be continued to ask unless the All Blacks start cracking up some victories. They've got an area of concern of player management not standing up to what they should be doing. And whether or not the leadership is stemming from Ian Foster, I think we'll find out just this weekend how much faith those players have in their coach. If they put in a performance that is good enough for a win then I think Fozzie gets to breathe another day of relief. But if they lose, then I expect the acts to come willing for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is looming. There's no doubt about it. And he, he will fully know that as well, uh, Ian Foster, I'm sure. But uh, here's the thing uh, for me, Ross, which slightly does disappoint me about the whole thing, is that I don't think I've uh, seen so many texts come into uh, this particular station uh, calls and, and just talking to people who actually are willing the All Blacks to lose because they want people out. I mean, uh, it's almost unprecedented for me. I mean, we've had flat patches over the years, but I don't think to this extent. No, certainly the winning percentage when you look at the professional era. I think if you look back to maybe Ruby Thorne and John Mitchell, maybe the, back then there was a bit of pressure on the captain and coach, but still they were winning with a very high winning percentage. Uh, it, I can understand because... People saw a team at odds, at sea, um, in that series against Ireland with no idea on attack, um, lots of trouble reading the Irish offence. They couldn't dominate the collision. They were not doing their line-out offensively or defensively very well. They were struggling at set-piece. They weren't clearing out at the breakdown. They were getting isolated. They were at, They just weren't playing like you expected all Blacks team to play, and it's not the start of something. It's something that's been building for years and years and years. So I can kind of understand it. And I feel like people who are feeling that way are kind of justified because we've seen a very slowly, slowly mentality to, you know, whether or not they should change this. And a lot of people just feel like a Band-Aid should be ripped off. When I look at the South Africans and I look at the Irish and I think whether these two test matches are a chance for Ian Foster to turn it around, 
I think because of the change in styles, it probably is. You know that they're going to be physical at the breakdown. You know they're going to put up box kicks. But you also know that they're not going to test the defences the way the Irish did. So it's going to be a lot more certainty in the all-black defensive system because that's not where, really where they're going to get hit. The main issue for them is winning the collision, and they haven't done it well. And against the box, they're probably going to struggle to do it well as well. And especially with Malcolm Marks starting, you'd imagine that that's where they're trying to hit the All Blacks, right? They want to hit them at the collision. They want to hit them at the breakdown, get them on the back foot, and then dominate them. And I just can't see the All Blacks getting up this weekend if they can't win that area. And on paper, it probably looks like they probably shouldn't. No, on paper, that doesn't look as if they're as physical as South Africa, I've got to say, and that includes, for me, uh, the bench. Uh, Lavina, uh, NPC starts this weekend, so uh, are we Bay of Plenty, are we? Always Bay, Bay of Plenty. In fact, they're paying 31 bucks, just so you know. I put a little sneaky on them half an hour ago in preparation for this conversation. We came sixth last year, but, you know, we've got a good chance. Anyone's got a good chance in this competition. I like the fact... For the first time in 12 years, all 14 teams get a chance to play for the one trophy, albeit they will be in separate groups. But I do like the fact that it will um, bring all the fans together to try and aim for something right at the very end. But, yeah, the Bay have got Mike Delaney as coach for this season for the first time, so it was worth a little sneaky bet. And hopefully they can maybe topple their cousins, Waikato, the defending champions, who have Damien McKenzie there, who will look to be a shining light to try and say, hey, pick me for something more important at a later date. I, I'm, I know the MPC kicks off now and, and I show an interest in it, but there's still six rounds of the NRL to go before the finals kick in. And for me, the MPC is just a little bit of an entree treat for the main event that happens later. But as soon as that NRL is finished and where everyone's trying to go for the shield, I'm sure the enthusiasm will pick up definitely for me anyway, Smitty. Okay, uh, Lavina, that's it. We might just have a, because you're Bay of Plenty, I'm Hawks Bay, we might just have a little side bet ourselves uh, on a forthcoming fixture this um, this particular season. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, um, I come from an area of, of, of pretty good produce, so if you want to pick one and and, uh, and put it on the line, I'll be quite happy to. Uh, Ross Carl, uh, where are your allegiances for the NPC this year? And um, it becomes very busy, of course, on Sky because covering all these games and some double headers, I too, I think, with Heartland games too. That's right, and we've got some club football coming up this weekend as well, as well as the NPC. There's a lot of rugby. This is the most rugby we've ever done on Sky in a year this year, um, with the way that we're covering the NPC, the way we're covering Heartland, the way we're covering the NPC. There's just rugby everywhere. And the team's doing a really good job of getting to all these games and getting to where. Um, but to answer your question, um, I'm a County's Monaco guy. Uh, we start against Otago this week. And uh, I am always uh, <laughs> hopeful that we'll go well, but it's been a few years. So, um, so yeah, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't worry too much about where they come from the table. Okay, so we've got Counties Monaco, we've got Hawke's Bay, and we've got Bay of Plenty in the conversation. Uh, we've got Aroha coming up with the news uh, very shortly, and then when we come back, uh, Lavina, I'm going to give you your soapbox, and we'll talk about the Warriors. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Lavina, good with us this morning, as is uh, Ross Carl, uh, the two panellists, and uh, let's talk a little bit of uh, league, shall we, uh, Lavina? And uh, during the week announced by the Warriors, or two announcements really, uh, we've got Andrew McFadden coming in as the recruitment manager from here on in. 
Uh, and uh, Richard Agar coming from the Leeds Rhinos across to uh, be one of the assistant coaches for next year. So it looks like they're getting their ducks in a row in terms of their uh, coaching unit. What do you make of that? Yeah, they've got to get rid of this season. That's what they have to do. It's such a shame that the Warriors are now playing to avoid the silver spoon. And as soon as the Warriors got in that position, it's desperate rugby league from them, as we saw against the Melbourne Storm. I mean, the Storm had lost four games in a row and come up against the Warriors at home and made the Warriors look very pedestrian indeed. I I like the idea of McFadden coming in as a recruitment officer. So much is heavily involved in terms of recruitment for rugby league, but it's a half-decade plan. We've seen that uh, with the Penrith Panthers over the last five years where they started their recruitment policy six years ago, and it's just paying dividends now with the premiership last year and leading the way this year. So that's a five-year plan in the making. I think McFadden will bring great insight as to the future of the sport and maybe try and keep some of those kids that are all speckled across the NRL at the moment, signing off on contracts with the Roosters and the Bunnies and just about any other Sydney and Brisbane side that are trying to snap every single player up. So not a bad move. Um, I just think the fans would like to see something a little bit more respectful from the Warriors out on the pitch. It's going to be tough taking on the Bunnies this week with Juz Tavanga and Chanel Harris. Tavita look as, looks as though they won't be playing due to injuries from that Melbourne. And Stacey Jones, for some strange reason, has decided to put Wade Egan in the halves combination. I think it's the sixth time that they've mixed up that half combination for the Warriors. But that's Stacey's choice. He's the coach. I'm not. I just think it's so sad for the Warriors at the moment that they're trying to avoid a wooden spoon. It's a, a tough competition, but it can be played so simply at times, and all you need to do is get in the top half of it to earn respect from the fans that will continue to next year. And I think those loyal South Auckland Rugby League fans have been taunted throughout the year from the Warriors. It's great to have them at home, but to think they're not in that top eight. They certainly had a roster at the start of the year to secure a position in that top eight. And now we look beyond that to next year with a new coach, new assistant coach, hopefully a recruitment officer that has developed a recruitment policy that can make things look good over the next five years. I guarantee the Warriors won't be looking at winning a premiership next year, but if they have a five-year plan, then those fans will finally be rewarded, Smitty. Yeah, they'll finally be rewarded. At least they'll get some home games as as well, uh, Lavina. But uh, for me, Ross, and, and Lavina makes a very good point there, that you, you look at the start of the season uh, where everything was uh, looked as if it was aligning quite nicely. Uh, you could not have predicted how much would go wrong in that time, uh, and, and including you know, sacking your coach. Uh, you know, Players are basically just walking out. Players deciding not to come to New Zealand when they knew full well that it was a New Zealand franchise. I mean, what more can they go can go wrong, Ross? I mean, surely they've hit rock bottom. <laughs> well, they're not at the bottom of the table yet, but um, yeah, there's been plenty that's gone wrong. I the worry for me is that it's a fairly familiar thing, isn't it? Maybe not with the amount of things that have happened, and maybe with some of the people who have bought in in the first place that people questioned and then have gone. Um, but, you know, it's not uncommon for us to go into a Warriors season and go, well, this is a team that looks like a top eight team, only to see them come right at the bottom of the table. Um, it's over the 20-odd years, I'd say that almost half of them would probably have that same conversation. So for them, I, I really like what Levine is saying about a long-term plan. I really like that they're bringing back Kiwis from Australia to represent the side and play, you know, and be here for the side considering what's happened this year with players walking away who don't have the, the heartfelt connection to the Warriors. Um, 
to, to me, that's a positive sign. I like that they're, they're backing Kiwis to go well in what should be a Kiwi team. Um, well, I suppose we have to see where it goes, but I'm sure we'll have the same conversation next year. You know, this is a top eight team. They've got the players to do it. Um, <laughs> the proof will be in the pudding. It will be uh, in the pudding. Uh, some serious eating to be done, I'm, I imagine. Uh, September 25th in Manchester is the date that's now been confirmed, Lavina, for Joseph Parker's next fight, a career-defining fight, aren't they all, uh, against Joe Joyce. Uh, so we're going to see Joe back in action shortly. Yeah, I'm amped. I'm amped about it. I mean, this has been a plan in the making, I think, since April when discussions first happened in terms of this uh, bout taking place. But we have a date and we also have a venue in Manchester. Uh, and the way I see it, uh, Smitty, the winner gets a crack at maybe the heavyweight world title. Joyce is ranked one and two by the WBO and WBC, and it's probably the biggest fight of the 36-year-old's career. Parker, at 30 years of age, he's uh, had a couple of losses and is looking in fine form. So he's taken off for England at the moment and is training in preparation for this uh, bout. Both of them need the win because that's when they get a crack at the world title. Joyce is running out of time, and he really, really needs this victory under his belt, so to speak. Uh, he's unbeaten in 14 pro fights, 13 knockouts. It's not going to be an easy one for Joe Parker at all, but he's looking in fine form. And I think in terms of preparation, he's in the right place for it. It'll be an absolute cracker. I'm really looking forward to this bout. Yeah, and it uh, should sell pretty well, Ross, I would imagine, uh, on Sky, because it's been a while. And uh, uh, as uh, Lavina pointed out, I, I think for Joseph Parker, if he loses this one, I I'm not quite sure what the future holds. Still a relatively young man, but needs wins. Oh, that's 100% for sure. He now is a guy who is kind of one of those gatekeepers to the heavyweight title, isn't he? He really is probably realistically a guy that you need to beat to have your shot at the title, and that's the way that uh, Joe Joyce is going. If you look at the list of people that Joe Joyce has fought, um, he's really built his way up to a Joe, Joseph Parker level. Domains de Vern had a, had a, um, a WBA belt. Brian Jennings used to have the fastest hands in the division. Carlos Takam, who really made Joe fight hard to beat him. There's some really good guys that he's beaten and he's built up. He's a big man. He's bigger than Joe. He has knocked a whole bunch of people out. This is by no means an easy fight for Joe Parker. But what I like about Joe right now, and it's probably the big change since he was with, um, with Kevin, was when he was with Kevin, he would look to the corner constantly. You know, he needed to seek Kevin's advice. He, he, he didn't have the ring knowledge or the understanding of how to follow the game plan. In a way, I think maybe that was part of Kevin's plan to keep Joe um, on board. But Joe wasn't sure of what he was trying to do. And I think under Andy Lee, we've seen him have a better understanding of his game plan, a better understanding of how to adjust in the ring and not just have one in and out and try to throw fast punches um, kind of game plan. So I'm, I'm really happy to see Joe getting into a fight like this considering how he's improved. He should win this, but as ever with Joe, the question is how much does he want it? And we've seen in the past that he hasn't wanted enough, he hasn't thrown enough big punches in the big fights, he hasn't got inside and do the business when business needs to be done. So... This is his chance. He better want it because this guy will knock him out if he doesn't. Well, okay. Uh, some interesting thoughts there uh, from both Lavina and uh, Ross Carl. I've got to ask them uh, before we let them go, though. Uh, what are you looking forward to most this weekend, Ross Carl? We've got uh, the All Blacks, we've got the NPC, we've got the Commonwealth Games. What are you most looking forward to? Oh, it's the All Blacks. 
Smithy, I barely get up at three in the morning to watch an All Blacks test these days. It's far too much hard work. I usually watch it on record, but I'm going to be getting up for this because there's just so much on this for Ian Foster, for Scott Robertson, for all the players on the side, you know, for the New Zealand public. This game is just huge. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Lavina? Yeah, I'm in com games mode at the moment. I'm um, interested in to see how the Silver Ferns can back up from that 10-goal loss to England and the fact they take on Jamaica instead of Australia is an interesting uh, one to get through to the semi-finals and also the Black Sticks. They had a loss uh, to Australia in the hockey, but I think they're starting to play pretty good defeating South Africa. So I'll be saturated with the Commonwealth Games all weekend. I'm a little nervous to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and watch the All Blacks in case they lose. I'm going to have to catch a replay on that one, I reckon. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, Lavina, good. Uh, Ross Carl, uh, thanks very much for your input this morning. I've enjoyed your thoughts and uh, have a terrific sport-watching weekend. It is 10.42 here on SENZ, and we'll have another panel on Monday morning, of course. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. So much action coming in uh, overnight from the Commonwealth Games. We tend to uh, overlook the fact that we've got other New Zealanders uh, participating overseas in various events. And the Black Caps beating the Netherlands by 16 runs last night uh, in the T20 International um, in The Hague. Uh, Chasing 149, the home side was bowled out for 132 in the final over. Uh, so they we're never going to chase that down. Blair Tickner actually with early wickets took four wickets and uh, probably his best performance for the Black Caps and Ben Sears, uh, the other pace man, picked up three. So the, the big boys getting the job done there. Uh, Martin Guptill getting 45, uh, Jimmy Nation 32 off 17 and each Sodi made 19 off 10. The two sides meet again tomorrow. And for Dame Lisa Carrington, she's cruised into the final of the K1 200 at the World Canoe Sprint Champs in Canada. Uh, she recorded the fastest uh, time of the day and grabbed the one automatic spot for the final from her heat. Uh, Carrington and Alicia Hoskin then finished second in their heat of the K2 uh, 200 uh, and that uh, to qualify for the, the semi-finals. Uh, Carrington is competing in four events this week. Ashton Reiser fifth in the men's K1 200 and will go into the semi-final and Max Brown and Curtis Emery were fifth in their K2 500 heat and now also will go through to the semi-final. And Lydia Coe, good old Lydia, tied for 28th after the first round of the British Open in Scotland, playing at Muirfield. Uh, Coe fired an even par 71, which uh, included three bogeys and three birdies. She's six shots off the pace uh, held by the Japanese golfer Hanaki Shibuno. Uh, the Open is the last major of the year. Meanwhile, in the Men's World Tour, uh, Josh Geary and Daniel Hillier both tied for 61st to five shots behind the leader, uh, from the Kazoo Open in Wales. Uh, and the other interesting story coming in, the past verdict um, on Brittany Griner. We've uh, mentioned that this is an um, American basketball star uh, who was, uh, she pled guilty at, she pled guilty to drug charges but denied deliberately breaking the law. Um, she uh, was uh, found uh, to have cannabis uh, oil in uh, her luggage and, uh, and vape cartridges actually nicely uh, tucked away there. Uh, cannabis is uh, strictly illegal in Russia. Uh, she got nine years, nine years, and a fine of 25000 Well, the fines are inconsequential, but the nine years is a very, very stiff uh, punishment, and uh, it comes on the back of uh, all sorts of negotiations or possible negotiations about prisoner swapping, uh, but it doesn't seem that's going to happen for quite some time, and if it doesn't, uh, then Brittany Griner is going to do some tough time. How many of those nine years she'll have to do? 
uh, do not know, but uh, in the end uh, there's uh, uproar in America at that uh, particular sentencing. Um, and a lot of pressure going on President Joe Biden to do something about it. It is uh, 10.51 here on SENZ. We'll be back with Louis and Pip before 11. On SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Louis Herman Watt joins us as we look forward to uh, a racing programme over the weekend which uh, features uh, Ruakaka, which we've uh, mentioned, the Kerry Cup with all the superstars, the Tangerine Army out in force, and uh, Rickerton, of course, as well, Louis, because it's uh, Grand National Carnival time tomorrow, the Winter Cup, and the Coral Steeple Chase with just five horses in it, which is disappointing. Yeah, that's right, Smithy, but I'd, I'd, I really would just like to start and focus on Taikiana Gita, if that's all right, mate. Um, yep. uh, look at a... A champion, a, a talented 28-year-old rider who on Wednesday lots of people would have seen went down in a nasty race fall at Cambridge and um, he's still in hospital. We spoke to Michael Guerin this morning. I've since spoken to some other people and, you know, while respecting Taiki's pri- um, privacy and that of his family, um, he really is, he's really fighting in a, a situations. It's, um, it's about as tough as it can get, I think. And I think it's important to note that these jockeys know what they get themselves into, but no one ever really expects to end up in this situation, I don't think, anyway. And his mum and his sister have come out. Um, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, uh, along with you know their support crew, have got them off the plane and um, tried to get him to his side you know, today. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll hear more about his condition in the coming hours and days. But just on behalf of SENZ and yourself and me, Smith, I just want to say we're thinking of everybody involved. And that includes, obviously, his support network in New Zealand, his family, but the whole jockey community, the jockey room. I know that uh, speaking to jockeys, they're, they're shaken up. Um, Sam Weatherly, who caused the incident, he'll be shaken up. And it's just at any time, but, you know, heading into a weekend of racing, it's just... It's kind of it really sobers you up, and it puts in perspective what they're doing. I know we've spoken about that Smithy before, and we spoke about it this morning. So just thoughts, absolute prayers with Taiki and Agita's family. I know he's fighting as hard as he possibly can be. I, you know, he's uh, you never you never ever felt bad when you backed him, Smithy. You always knew you had yeah. a horse had a chance. But you know, we are racing tomorrow at uh, Rickerton and Ruakaka, and I know with um, Taiki in the forefront of everybody's minds, the jockeys and trainers and. Um, industry stakeholders will go out there and do their absolute best and uh, that's all we can really do at this stage. Louis, uh, thank you very much for those words. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Our thoughts uh, w- with him and uh, his family, of course. Uh, Michael Walker, uh, also in Australia, not too good after a fall as well. So uh, we'll keep an eye on his progress as well and wish him all the best. Uh, head across to uh, Pip Morris, of course. Uh, Pip, uh, Addington and Palmerston North with Greyhounds uh, this weekend in um, Monaco on Sunday, I believe. So busy weekend. And some interesting sports betting as well. I understand that uh, South Africa are even more favoured now against the All Blacks. Yeah, they certainly are. Smitty, good morning to you. Around $1.67 now. So they've tightened in from that one eighty-seven. Still bets going on them at around that one eighty-seven earlier on to this morning, 2500 or just over that on South Africa to be the match result. Can I tell you that 
we've got that bonus back winning team and margins you can back your team to win and if you get the incorrect margin but they still win you can get a bonus back up to $50 and on the margin betting it's really split South Africa 13 or more has been the favourite option and New Zealand 13 or more have been the selections the most money staked in the winning team and market so either way they're thinking that it's going to be a blowout for one team and also on the MPC as well there's been a little bit of Speaking on Canterbury, $456 on them, 13 or more at $1.47. Of course, they're a dollar in the head-to-head market. And a nice multi kicked off last night too. Smithy with the Roosters getting up, a $1,000 multi into the Storm, Taranaki, Auckland and Canterbury to return $2,800. So we wish that punter, well, good luck. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the beautiful game is well and truly back for a new season. England's lower tiers have already begun, but uh, this weekend sees the Premier League kick off with match day one tomorrow at the New Zealand friendly time of 7am when Crystal Palace host Arsenal. Ten matches in all right throughout the early hours of uh, till Monday morning. Be a big weekend for football fans. SENZ's very own Ricardo Ball will be one who's gearing up for it. Uh, he joins us now, not only a football pundit, but he's been... Very, very busy, uh, I think, interviewing pretty much every uh, Women's Phoenix side and, uh, new member um, as they join the group. So uh, Ricardo has, uh, whilst everyone else has been in a little bit of a hiatus, Ricardo never will be when it comes to football. Good morning to you, sir. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. How you doing? Yeah, cool, man. Uh, before we get to the Premier League, uh, the Wellington Phoenix uh, won their opening match of the Australia Cup when they beat uh, Devonport City. Um, so that was pretty handy first up effort. Yeah, it was. Um, I thought they, they played pretty well. Um, you know, they had it streaming live on, on YouTube, and uh, so you tune in and watch that. And, yeah, they, they looked uh, a little bit shaky to start, and Devonport gave them a few few problems. But I think Ufukale will probably appreciate that. Um, they ended up coming through it, winning it reasonably comfortably. And I think for the first time in a while, they actually had a reasonably strong squad to start this competition. You know, we've seen them in the past just uh, effectively play a youth squad with a couple of first-teamers. But, you know, they had Costa Barbarousas, they had Scott Wooten, they had Ollie Sale, they had Tim Payne. So uh, they are the basis of a good side. So I think it's, uh, yeah, good signs. I mean, obviously, with a few players still to come in, uh, I think it was a great win for the Knicks. Uh, puts them into the uh, the round of 16. And, um, yeah, he, he's hoping they go on a decent cup run. Well, uh, they made it as far as the semi-finals last season, of course. Um, and uh, this time round, though, in the 16, they've got to play... Uh, the Premiers, the A-League Premiers in Melbourne City. What chance uh, early in the season to catch them napping? Yeah, probably a pretty good one, to be honest, um, I think, because, I mean, Melbourne City are a, a very good side, as you mentioned, um, but they won't have all their ducks in a row just yet either. Um, so I think, you know, it's probably going to be uh, a shade away from the team that we saw running around in the A-League last season, the Melbourne City team that the Phoenix come up against. So I think they're every chance. Um, obviously, it will be away in Australia because all the FFA Cup games, Australia Cup as it's been renamed, to be played in Aussie, which is a bit of a, uh, a bone of contention for Phoenix fans, I know. But, um, you know, so there'll, there'll be that against them. But I think uh, they've got every chance because, you know, the FFA Cup or the Australia Cup is as, as good as it is to win. I don't think it's going to be the number one target for Patrick Snorbo. He'll be looking at a few youth players that are coming through their academy, trying them in this situation, seeing how they shape up, seeing whether or not they can fit into the squad for the coming A-League season, or if they're players he needs to let go and he still needs to strengthen the squad elsewhere. 
The Women's Phoenix uh, confirmed the re-signing of Aussie midfielder Isabel Gomez, uh, of course on the back of also uh, signing 132 cat football fern Betsy Hassett, so strength uh, is building. Yeah, strength is building, you know, and Chloe Knotts re-signed as well, um, who uh, I think is a very good player. Um, I mean, she can do a lot of different things for the the Phoenix. She can play uh, as as a six, or she can, you know, she played a false nine last season. She can play as an eight as well, and I think her alongside Hassett um, and Izzy are are great acquisitions for the Knicks. So I think this Knicks women's team is building really, really well. They're keeping the key players from last season. Uh, They're adding a couple of players, as we've mentioned, Betsy Hassett and Paige Satchel, who I I think are certainly a massive improvement on what they had in the squad last season. Um, Outside of Grace Jarley, I think it looks like they've got everybody, they've kept everybody they wanted to keep. It's just going to be interesting to see where they go uh, you know, to, to to add more because I think they're going to keep the core of the squad. But I think I've got a feeling there might be one or two more surprises on the uh, on, on the horizon for the Phoenix. Excellent, uh, that would be great news. Uh, last weekend we saw the championship uh, get underway in England and those lower tiers as well. Uh, but of course, it's uh, the Premier League tomorrow morning. Uh, the Gunners Arsenal uh, visiting uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, what what chance there? It's an, it's an all London game. Yeah, and I mean, this game last season, Crystal Palace beat Arsenal um, and gave, gave them a hell of a fright. Of course, Patrick Vieira is the Crystal Palace manager, and he's done a great job there. He took over at the beginning of last season, uh, rejuvenated the squad. They had the oldest squad in the league before he took over. He, he sort of turned that over. He has lost a couple of players. Uh, Conor Gallagher, who they had on loan from Chelsea, was really important for them last season. He's gone back to Chelsea. They haven't been able to get him again, um, but they have added to their squad. I think they, they'll look a decent prospect, but I'm really interested to see how Arsenal go in this game because Arsenal tend to have a bit of a, a soft underbelly, and so when things go tough in the past, we've seen Arsenal go belly up. Um, but you're starting to see signs that maybe they've turned a bit of a corner on this. I think they, they, they still need to add players in the, tra- in the transfer window. I don't think they've got everybody that they want in, particularly in midfield. But uh, they have signed a couple of players out of Manchester City, um, and one of those is Gabriel Jesus, and you know under Pep Guardiola, you know, effectively, he hasn't played a number nine for a long time. I mean, he wasn't a massive fan of playing Sergio Aguero because he didn't um, fit into a fluid front three, if you like. And Gabriel Jesus was a bit the same, and he very rarely played him as a nine. He often played him out wide on the right. Uh, but Arsenal have brought him in to be their number nine, to be their striker, and he scored a hatful of goals in pre-season. Um, they played Sevilla, who were one of the top four Spanish teams, and they won 6-0 pre-season, and he scored a hat-trick in that game. So I think uh, Jesus would be one to watch. Uh, they also brought in Zinchenko, the Ukrainian, who's played left-back and also played midfield um, for Manchester City. He's coming to this Arsenal side as well. So I think a couple of really interesting acquisitions. I think this is going to be a really tight game. It's going to be a tough opening game for Arsenal away at Palace. I think they get it done. I think they've just added in enough firepower, but I, I don't think it's going to be a lay-down Mazir by any means. Well, the three sides returning to the Premier League are Fulham, uh, Bournemouth, and, of course, Nottingham Forest after a long absence, 23 years, in fact, uh, away from the Premier League. So uh, for Fulham, they're taking on Liverpool, who uh, last week uh, beat Manchester City, of course, to win the uh, Community Shield, which traditionally kicks off the season. Fulham, so their task is a tough one first up. Very tough. You know, I think Fulham have got a tough ask in general. Um, this will be the third time they have been back into the Premier League. Um, the last two times they came up, got relegated, came up, got relegated. Uh, I think they've had another year down in the Championship this time. They've come up, 
they've added a couple of interesting players, but I still don't know that they've got enough in them. I think defensively they need uh, they need work as well. They really only have two recognised out and out centre backs at the moment in that squad, so they need to be doing more in the in the transfer window. Um, and they've just signed Burden Leno, the number two goal- goalkeeper from Arsenal, to be the number one. So. Uh, that'll give them a bit of solidity between the sticks. But I really think, you know, it's, it's a tough one, Smithy, with the the way the transfer window works. It goes right through to the 1st of September. So and we're going to get three games in the Premier League, or three rounds into the Premier League, before that transfer window shuts. So things can change. But at the moment, I think uh, Fulham, uh, I would say, they're odds-on to be one of the three teams relegated straight back down. Uh, I don't I don't see they've got enough to, to stay up, and I think there's every chance they get a pasting from Liverpool. I'd... If there's an option of the TAB for four and a half or more goals in the match, I'd be looking at it. Wow, OK. Uh, not good uh, for Fulham fans. Bournemouth um, make their return as well. Uh, they face Aston Villa. That looks to be a much more even encounter. Yeah, it should be. It should be a more even encounter. Um, Scott Parker's in charge of Bournemouth. He, he, did, he did take over Fulham for a while when they were in the Premier League last season, uh, well, last time round, I should say, and he, he, there were some good signs, and then he's gone, he left them and went to Bournemouth, and he's brought Bournemouth back up. The only thing with Bournemouth, I think, is they've got a lot of the same players they got relegated with. Um, you know, you've got guys like Dominic Solanke, the former Liverpool striker, that they spent a lot of money on when they were still in the Premier League, Bournemouth. And he, last time they were in the Premier League, he could only score three goals for the season. Um, whether that is just a sign of, you know, he's too good for the championship, not enough good not, not good enough for the premiership. I'm not sure, because last season he scored 29 in the championship. So we'll see how he, he fares. Um, I think Aston Villa will probably be better. Um, they've got, uh, I think it's Carlos Diaz. They've signed from Severa, sent him back. Um, we should strengthen them there. Um, I think Coutinho coming in full-time is, is really good for them as well. I think they will be a, a decent side this year, Villa. Um, they should probably have too much for Bournemouth on the opening day, although it is a way, and that can often throw up a little bit of a banana skin. But, yeah, Bournemouth, for me, Smithy, are another team that I think um, will be odds-on to be in that bottom three and get relegated again at the end of the season. OK, well, let's hope for better things for Nottingham Forest. Then uh, their first mission is to uh, travel uh, slightly north on, on the trains. Their fans will be, after 23 years of waiting, they'll be jumping on the train very, very keenly, I would imagine, to go to St James's Park uh, with a first-up uh, engagement against Newcastle. Yeah, this will be a, a great game, I think, because I think Eddie Howe is trying to transform that Newcastle team, and he's not being able to do it. You know, I think we thought with the Saudi ownership taking over, they'd just be another Manchester City, be bags of money getting thrown here, there and everywhere. But they haven't approached it that way. They've they've gone about it slightly differently. They haven't been able to get all the transfer targets they wanted. They actually haven't had added a whole lot just yet, Newcastle. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can do more in the next sort of three or four weeks. And Nottingham Forest, on the other hand, the, the owner of that club is a Greek um, billionaire, and he has, uh, I think, brought in about 10 players into that squad, and they've brought in some really interesting names as well. Um, some reasonably decent players out of the Bundesliga have come into that club, uh, and they've also brought Nico Williams, who has uh, come through Liverpool's academy, played a bit in the Liverpool first team over the last couple of years as a right-back or a centre-back. He, he He's come in. So I think they've done really good business, and I really uh, like the way they go about their football. I, it's a bit like Brentford. Remember, Smithy Brentford were the team that won the playoff last season, and they were the only team to come up from the championship to stay up. Um, it feels like the team that's won the playoff this time around is m- the most likely team to stay up as well. I've, 
I've got Forest, I think, uh, competing well. I think they'll be a bit Brentfordy. They will play some decent football. They'll exceed expectations. They might plateau a bit in the middle of the season, um, but I think they'll have enough. And, uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see how Forest go. I think they, there's every chance um, that they, they go really well um, and maybe you get a mid-table finish, say, a 13th, 14th, somewhere around there, which would just be um, gold dust for them. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to this opening game. And, you know, I mean, if I was looking at a, a market for this, I'd probably look at the draw, to be honest. I think these two teams might cancel each other out, but I think it'll be a great day out for both sets of fans. Manchester United, your Manchester United, uh, take on uh, Brighton, 1 o'clock uh, Monday, 1am Monday morning, New Zealand time. Uh, but it appears at this stage uh, that will be with Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, coming off the bench. Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, he obviously didn't go on the tour to uh, Thailand and Australia, the pre-season tour. Uh, and then he didn't play against Atletico Madrid, but he got 45 minutes against Raya Vallecano last Sunday. Um, that's all his preseason, so I think he's going to be underdone. Uh, the ten, I, I think there's problems there. Ten Hag has criticised him because he got subbed at half time, and I don't think that would have been a surprise. That would have been you haven't had enough preseason. We'll give you 45 minutes. Here you go. He didn't play particularly well in that 45 minutes, and then he left the ground before the game had finished. Um, and Ted Hag has been critical of that when he was asked about it. So I think there's every chance that Ronaldo's not there come September the 1st, and United have got a lot of business to do between now and then. Um, I think they've, they've added three. They probably need, need to add another three or four. Uh, Tellez has gone out the door. He's gone to Sevilla. They're looking to move probably another uh, three or four, and, and people like Brandon Williams, um, Phil Jones will probably go as well. Uh, so there'll be a couple, Eric Bailly potentially, that they will move out the out the door, uh, and then they, they need to bring in another striker to back up Anthony Martial. If Ronaldo is uh, going to leave, well, I mean, if, even if he stays, they, they're short of number nine. Um, so there's a lot of business for United to do, but I mean, I, I think taking on Brighton at home is a good start to the season for them, and it's a Brighton team that um, I think were, were shorter goals last season. They drew 15 games last season, Smithy, so um, which says that they stay in the fight for a long time. But they, they've lost uh, uh, Basuma to um, to Tottenham, who's their broke up a lot of opposition players, and it looks like Cucurella, who was a star for them at left back, is going to Chelsea for about 50 million. Um, I don't think they've replaced either of those uh, adequately. They, they haven't really sorted the goal situation out. They've brought in an 18-year-old out of the Paraguayan National League. I, I don't know how he's going to have five foot six hit the ground running in the Premier League either. So I expect Brighton to go backwards a bit this season, maybe not hit the heights of last season because they haven't really replaced the pieces they've lost. Um, so I think United will get a win first game up of the season, uh, but it's a game you expect them to win, and if you're at Ten Hag, that'll be something you'd be demanding of the team. Everton snuck in uh, last year, uh, well, last season. They, they really only just uh, survived. Uh, they're up against Chelsea first, um, and the, the Chelsea, of course, and a pretty new ownership as well. So uh, what are you expecting for the London club this year? It's really interesting, Chelsea. Um, they're they're a little bit of a they're in a bit of an issue a problem at the moment with defensively. They've lost Antonio Rudiger, Andreas Christensen. Looks like Marcus Alonso will go. Um, Malanga Sarr, um, who was the fringe first team centre back, has gone as well to Monaco. So they're having to rebuild defensively. Um, they've brought in Koulibaly, um, who's been a star for Napoli in CDR for the last five or six seasons. Um, he's a good player, but he's thirty one. He's never played in the Premier League before. It is a a different pace to Serie A. 
and he'll be playing along Tiago, alongside Thiago Silva, who's 37, Brazilian. So um, he's had one season. So I think defensively there'll be question marks around Chelsea. I, I, I don't think uh, they're as solid as they would like to be. Uh, looks like they've got Cucurella coming in for Brighton, but he, he won't be available, I doubt, for this first game. So it'll be Ben Chilwell starting on the on the right, and it'll be interesting to watch uh, see what shape Tuchel goes, given that you know, he preferred playing three centre-backs last season, like a 3-4-3 three, three or a 3-5-2. Um, but if you don't, if you've lost that many centre-backs, does he have enough to play that that sort of formation? So that'll be interesting. So I think, yeah, Chelsea a lot to do. They've also, obviously, uh, had a big falling out, Tuchel and Lukaku. So Lukaku, who they brought in for $100 million this time last year, has gone to Inter Milan on loan for a season because they just didn't want to work together. And they haven't been able to bring in another number nine. Um, so they don't have an out-and-out out nine at the moment. There's Armando Brulia, who was at uh, Southampton on loan last season, who's a, come through the Chelsea Academy, who's, I think, 19-20. And he looked all right at Southampton, so, I mean, at a pinch he could do the job, but more likely, I think, Kai Havertz, the German uh, who has played a bit at nine, more of a false nine, will probably be where they will go. But I think, yeah, Chelsea, midfield looks solid. Everywhere else needs work. Uh, that said, they should have too much for Everton. Um, Everton... Dominic Calvert-Lewin is injured. They've sold Richarlison. Uh, Rondon is suspended for the first game. So they don't have any strikers at the moment, Everton. Um, and they're trying to rebuild at the back. They've brought in James Tarkowski from Burnley on a free, but I don't think it's enough. Um, to be honest, I'd be surprised if Frank Lampard's still in the job by November. And they're a team, I think, could be uh, dancing around that 18th place coming into the season. So many things aren't looking great at Everton. And I don't think Lampard's the man to get them out of it. So I expect the Chelsea win. Okay, um, we've got uh, other teams to talk about, Ricardo. I think we'll feature them next week after the first round is uh, underway. Of course, Tottenham uh, playing Southampton. <coughs> West Ham up against uh, reigning champions uh, Manchester City. Uh, have a sleepless weekend, my friend, and we'll catch up with you next oh. week. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you've got it lined up and pretty well set up for the weekend. Yeah, mate, that's right. There'll be no sleep happening here because I've got to do the show with Marshy on Sunday as well, the rugby run, which means I'll be up watching the All Blacks live and then trying to set up a pre-record with Marshy out of South Africa immediately after the game. So, yeah, sleep. Uh, who needs it? Who needs it, mate? Who needs it? Uh, we need you, though, with that football knowledge. So keep on coming in, Ricardo. Absolutely fantastic. Have a terrific weekend, mate. Good luck, man, you. Cheers. Thanks, Millie. Go well. Yep, cheers, uh, and good luck Tottenham Hotspur as well. We can't leave them out. Uh, it's about uh, 11.20 here It's uh, on SCNZ. When we come back, we're going to talk to um, our Greyhound personality for the week. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to talking to John Roberts. He is the president, uh, the president of the Auckland Greyhound Racing Club. John Roberts next. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It is uh, 11.26 here on SENZ, uh, pleased to say we're welcome to the show, John Roberts. Uh, John uh, is the president of the Auckland Greyhound Racing Club. Uh, John, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, Ian, and good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Uh, 12 race card actually at uh, Monaco on Sunday, beginning at uh, 12.55. John, how, how often do you race at Monaco in a given season? Uh, we generally race uh, every Sunday. There's one Sunday when the Polyfest takes our, our grounds over, but uh, every Sunday, and we have anything from 52 to 57 meetings a year. We have the occasional Thursday night meeting, though I see we haven't been allocated any Thursday nights uh, for this calendar season. So each week there's a meeting at Manukau. How long have you been uh, president, John, or, or been an administrator within the greyhound industry? 
I've been around greyhounds since uh, 1996, and I've been president of the club, I think, probably for the last uh, nine years or so. So um, what what attracted you to, to the greyhound industry? <laughs> it's a long story, Ian. I, I, I uh, was managing uh, branches of the ASB, and I had a young lad working for me when I was at uh, Otahu Branch many, many years ago. And he was a nice lad, and he had a share in a greyhound. He came up to me and said, boss, this dog's going to win tonight. And they were racing at Claudelands at that stage. And I said, now, are you sure this dog will win? And he said, yes, it will win. So I went down the road, and I had a decent bet on it uh, way back then. And uh, it got up and paid $8. And I thought, well, this is all right. And he, he gave me another couple later in the week, and they both won as well. So I happened to say to him, uh, oh, if you ever buy another dog, I'd certainly like to have a little share and interest in it. And uh, he actually got transferred away from my branch. And about six months later, the phone goes and he says, can you put the money in my account? And I said, what's this for? And he says, we bought the dog. So I put the money in the account and uh, bought the dog, a share of the dog. And that dog arrived and uh, in its first totalisator started, ran second in the heat of the New Zealand derby and qualified for the Group 1 final. And my very first tote win was the Group 1 final. He won the derby and that hooked me. I thought, oh, this is quite good. And I've been in dogs breeding them and racing them ever since. And, uh, yeah, had, had a great experience with them. I've been very fortunate enough to win six Group 1 races over the period I've been there. But we race in mainly our own breed. We, uh, we we just breed from the same line, and we've been reasonably successful with it. Um, yeah, it's very enjoyable. You, you've had a lot of success, actually, um, I, I think it's fair to say. What what would be your, your most successful dog? What would be your favourite dog? I mean, up until recently, I think you had one on the couch. Yeah, yeah, I've had several on the couch here, and they're great animals. I, I just love them. They're beautiful pets. They're beautiful racing animals. And, you know, we, we have a stipulation in our syndicate. Uh, our syndicate's called the Catcher Jordana Syndicate. After two two uh, racing bitches, uh, little sisters that uh, went to open class, and we've bred from both of them. Our syndicate rules are you pay on time, I pay you out, you pay me out on the last day of every month, be what it may and that the dogs are cared for always and found homes at the end of the day. That's the simple rules of our syndicate, and we have a closed shop. If, if you can't abide by that, well, we don't want you. But um, yeah, it's been very successful. We uh, have the crate girls train our dogs. Um, it all stemmed from a bitch I bought many years ago called Reba Caroma. Only raced it three or four times. always bought her for a brood bitch. She threw a great number of successful dogs. Her daughters, Katja Dordana and Justin, uh, catch a fire and just Jordana they went through to open class we bred from both of those and now we're breeding from their daughters um, and it's been very very successful the line is really really good the the one that we've got at the moment is just one smile she's only had two litters but she's just throwing winner after winner after winner um, we've got some really promising dogs smile a while was one of her progeny that won yesterday um, so yeah we, we, we keep a tight rein on it in. We look after our dogs. We pride ourselves the way we do things. Financially, we're, we're very well placed with it. It's, we're not there to make money. We're there to have fun. Any money that we make on the racing dogs is just plowed straight back into the breeding side of things. So, yeah, keeps us busy, keeps the mind active, and it's very enjoyable. Hey, John, how strong is greyhound racing in the north? I mean, we've uh, interviewed a lot of people, but a lot of them predominantly around the, the in the South Island area and uh, perhaps even the central districts, but how strong in the north? Ian, that's an excellent question. In the north, we do struggle for a little bit of field numbers. There's uh, quite a few uh, South Island dogs that have sent up to kennels here. Um, Auckland's 
it's so expensive land-wise now that it, it, it's not prudent to be, you know, training. Even on the outskirts of Auckland, it's very hard to get any land of reasonable costings that you could set up a greyhound uh, training facility. So, hence, that's where it struggles. Most of our northern bases around the Waikato area and in around there. And um, we really enjoy it. You know, as you know, we have racing at Cambridge on, on a Thursday and Manukau on a Sunday. Um at times, our fields can be a little light. It's boosted by the South Island dogs that come up, some Central District dogs come up, and, you know, there are litters being bred. But the sheer um, or the, the value of Auckland land in and around the district, it, it makes it very hard, not only for dogs, but for, for harness and, and, and racing people. It's extremely expensive to, to train in and around the Auckland area. So... Um, you know, that's just something that we have to manage and, 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 and cater for over the, the forthcoming years. But it's pretty popular. We have a regular client base there on a Sunday and, and people enjoy it. We have a wonderful facility. It's all inside. It's, it's, it's a purpose-built facility. And, yeah, we do enjoy it. Um, just finally, uh, John, uh, we always ask our personalities this. Have you got one running around shortly we might like to, to have a look at? Ian, I've got the, that latest litter that we've got. It's a really good one. As I mentioned, that dog, Smile Wild, that won yesterday. He's won six in a row now. He's very smart. His brother's racing on Sunday and race eight, ten after four. Um, he's a bit of a hypoactive dog, but by golly, he, he, he's actually quicker than Smile Wild, but he doesn't get out of the boxes quite as well. But if he happened to jump on Sunday, he, he, it's a, quite a good field. There's a couple of smart dogs in there, but he has a real motor, that dog. Um Queen Nancy, the litter sister, she's in race 12. She's won her last three in a row. She does have box speed, and she's getting stronger all the time. I've got a lot of time for her. I think she's an open-class bitch in the making. She's already up to class four. Um, you asked me previously the best dog that I've had. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for a dog called Razmar. He ran second in the collar, ran second to Swift Fantasy in, in the um, distance feature after the collar. He was a sensational dog. He won over $100,000. Never, ever got anywhere near the lead, but just come from the back and mowed fields down. He just weaved between them. So he'd be a, a long-time um, favourite of mine. The bitch that I had at home and that I just recently lost, she was 15 years of age when she passed. She won a group run race. That was his little sister, Varea. She was a lovely little bitch, just a delight to have around. And uh, another do- uh, favourite of mine was Rivet Reason who was the mother of Rasma, she won me the collar or won our syndicate the collar. Um, she was only 22 and a half kilos ringing wet, but she had a motor as well. Um, dogs like Riddleman, they bring back memories. Riddleman would probably be the, the most intelligent dog I've ever raced. He, he, he just found the gaps and just weaved through. So, yeah, I had a lot of really good dogs. Just One Smile and Snicker were probably the fastest of the dogs I've had over the short course. They had real, real speed, just genuine speed and as I say, just one smile. She's just throwing good dog after good dog after good dog, and I just hope it continues. We're about to um, embark on breeding from one of her, her um, daughters as well, so that will be interesting to see if, if the line continues to throw. I certainly hope it does. Okay, John, we'll uh, we'll keep a, a keep a close eye on uh, all of those because it sounds like you've had. Uh, a lot of success. Uh, it's been great chatting to you. Um, uh, congratulations for what you're contributing to to the greyhound uh, racing industry up north. Uh, thanks very much for your time, John. Thank you, Ian. A pleasure. Cheers. Uh, John Roberts there.
very successful owner and uh, breeder by the sounds of uh, all that information, uh, wasn't he? And it sounds like you want to be part of his syndicates. It's uh, 11.34, a little bit late for the news, uh, but also uh, a little bit late to invite you to, uh, to uh, call us on 0800 150811 and we'll get a stump smithy out of the way as well. But in the meantime, uh, here's Aroha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, last stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith for the week. Pat up and grab your bat, folks, because up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bat. Smithy, first out the crease, we've got Luke from Dunedin. Come in, Luke. Morning. How are we, guys? We're pretty damn fine, Luke, actually. So um, we're looking forward to uh, either giving you the opportunity to spend 50 bucks or beating <laughs> you. What are the... Uh, what are the uh, what are the categories this morning, Logan? All right. This is what you're playing for, guys. Cricket, the Commonwealth Games, or golf. Take your pick, Luke. Oh, we'll go Commonwealth Games. Okay. Right. Man, I, I put two categories totally in Smithy's wheelhouse. You pick Commonwealth Games. Of course, that is Murphy's Law. Here we go. First question. How many Commonwealth Games medals does Kiwi swimmer Lewis Clearbert now have to his name? Three? One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done on a cricket field. Mm, not three, Smithy. Four. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, sorry, back to the pavilion for you, Luke. That is correct. Bronze in the 400 metre medley at 2018. Gold in the 400 metre uh, medley. 200 metre butterfly plus bronze in the 200 metre medley at the uh, current Commonwealth Games. Awesome from Lewis. Up next at the crease, Ed from Tyler Bay. Mate, we know how bloody good you are at this game. Hopefully. Here we go. Question number two. At which, oh, boy. <laughs> at which Commonwealth <laughs> Games did field hockey make its debut for both men and women? <laughs> All right. Take a guess, bro. I'm gonna have a guess. Oh, I'll have a guess. Okay. Um, pure hockey. That'll be way. Um, the fifties. I mean fifty. One of the worst things I have ever <laughs> seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you, mate. Well, I think I'll get closer than you, Ed, but I'm not confident at all about this. So. I'm going to say 1998. Oh. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That is correct. Kuala Lumpur is when both uh, men's and women's uh, field hockey made its debut. Australia, uh, by the way, has won the men's gold in every tournament. So, Ed, you're gone. We've got one more in line, Smithy. Damon from Palmy, come in, mate. Hey guys, how are you? Yeah, good, Damon. Very, very good, Damon. Yeah, thanks. Very good. Yeah, well, Smithy's on the hat trick. We'll see how we go here. Last question, Damon. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. Looking at the squash in the Commonwealth Games, that also made its debut in 98. Where does New Zealand sit on the all time medal table for squash? Oh, I'll take a guess at. Third. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. No. Right in the slot and away it goes. Wow, oh, yeah, mate, that was a golden geez. guess for you. Third is correct. Six golds, four silver and four bronze. So, wow, well, more Smithy. Importantly, 
more importantly, it's 4-2 now. I'm coming back at Smithy, so I'm hoping that by the time I get to the Livermore Classic, when we go up there, I'll be ahead of him yeah. so that he'll owe me... We'll, we'll have a lazy pint or a jug on it, you know, if, if he's keen. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I look forward to that, Damon. No problem whatsoever. 4-2 to me at this point. Okay, right. And uh, Livermore yep. is, what, about two, two months away. So we've plenty of time for you to catch up. Yep, no worries. Yep. Good on you, mate. Uh, spend that uh, 50 bucks wisely over the weekend. Brian will get your details off you. Thanks uh, for everyone for taking part this morning. It's 11.41. Uh, when we come back, we'll be speaking some harness racing with Greg O'Connor. A little bit of the harness racing industry and uh, this morning I'm pleased to say we're talking to uh, Greg O'Connor uh, about a couple of meetings that, uh, on your back doorstep uh, this weekend, Greg, at Tour at Addington. Yeah, good morning to you, Smithy. This wraps up what has been a marathon winter for Addington Raceway. Of course, they've raced twice a week for the last basically two months, Smithy. Last week we had the Winter Rewards Day where... On Sunday, we had five races with $20,000 finals for horses that basically raced right through that period, accumulated points, and then uh, turned up here on Sunday and had a chance to race for some really good money. And one of the star performers was a horse called Smithy's Terror, who's actually won four of its last five starts. He's by the mighty Terror to Love, who, of course, won three New Zealand Cups. And uh, he may well be making his way to the IRT New Zealand Cup the second Tuesday in November. He certainly put his hand up over the winter, which sometimes you might say, yeah, he hasn't been racing against that much. But Smithy, on Sunday, he broke 310 for the 2,600 metres, an outstanding time at any time of the year, let alone in July. So he's certainly a horse on the rise. And for want of a Michael Guerinism, he often describes it when they win by a big margin. That one won by a cricket pitch. That's what he did on Sunday. Wow, interesting. Um, okay, keep an eye out for that. New Zealand Cup, that's actually not that far away when you start to boil it down. Uh, look forward to crowds being back at the carnival this year too, uh, Greg, over that Cup week, uh, which will be great. Um, anything uh, looking likely uh, tonight, tonight or Sunday that we, we might like to take an interest in? Yeah, well, Smithy's Terror comes out of the strong, strong uh, Robert and uh, Jenna Dunn barn. Another one in tonight who's been racing great over the over the winter period has been a horse called Sounds of Cash. Takes its place in race five tonight. This is a horse you can put into your multi, Smithy. She's well down in grade. She's been awesome in behind the likes of uh, Mikey Maguire and Smithy's Terror lately. Carter Delgetti takes the drive. Now, what that means is he's a claiming junior driver which allows her to get into a race below what her rating is. So she gets into the race beautifully. She's come up $1.90. I think that's about the right price. She has a really good turn of foot that she carries for a long way. So expect Carter to put her into the race, and she should be too powerful for this field. So that's race five, number nine, Sounds of Cash. In the very next race, master trainer Paul Nairn has a trotter called Resolve, who's building nicely towards another win. Uh, race six, number one, currently 3.30 uh, with the TAB. So uh, maybe a small multi there. Smithy might come back mm. about $6, $6.20. I think you could do worse than do that. So there's uh, an eight-race program tonight into Sunday where they also have eight races. They kick off just after 1 o'clock. Uh, it's a lower grade meeting, if you like, but there's always an opportunity to make some money, Smithy. So we'll uh, we'll try and find one for you there. Race seven, number eight, A Gui, racing really solidly. Sam Otley drives for Kevin Townley. He's a master with the trotter, as we know. 
the race seven, number eight, A. Gui, the one to back on Sunday. Greg, um, before we ask you about Trot's talk on Sunday, of course, uh, you've got a very big carnival uh, beginning tomorrow in terms of uh, the, the jumping side of things. What uh, the weather and track looking like? Look, it's a really strong nor'wester today, and, and as you know, in Canterbury over the last month, um, we've had a lot of rain. So much rain, they had 300 mils for the month of July, which is a record since me was been uh, measuring such a thing, they tell me, back to the late 1800s. So that's an enormous amount of rain. But what we've had in the last eight to nine days is strong nor'westers, therefore a lot of drying winds and that track will be pretty holding. It hasn't been used for a long time, Smithy. And, of course, this week, Grand National Week, they're only using it on the Saturday, grass only. Wednesday, just three jumping races on the grass, the other seven on the synthetic. That should allow the track to be at its peak for uh, Grand National Day the following Saturday. So there is some rain in the forecast, but the track certainly won't be as heavy as what it would have been had the National been run maybe even a week ago. Uh, Greg, uh, just finally, your trot's talk on Sunday, you on deck? Yeah, I certainly am. Uh, Michael's actually uh, whipping over to Victoria to uh, to do some work over there, so I'm, I'm on my own on, on Sunday. What we will have is a decent preview for the Harness Meeting at Addington in the afternoon, but I'm also going to have an extended talk to Matt Peden, who's part of the bookmaking team. Uh, they're about to release some odds on uh, the race, which is uh, raced in, of course, April or thereabouts for the Cambridge Raceway. It'll be the second running of that, so it'll be intriguing to see where they line up uh, some of the Aussies that potentially could be here. We'll have a good chat about that and about uh, the build-up towards uh, the New Zealand Cup. Just at Addington next Friday night, uh, the first of uh, the road to the Cup will start, and it's a race called the National Handicap and we're expecting to see plenty of horses back on track, as a few of them have been uh, at the trials recently. So uh, plenty of information. Trot's talk. We are on these days, Smithy, from 11 till 12. The reason the time change has uh, come about in the last month, it allows us to talk to the participants who are potentially driving that afternoon. If you have them between 12 and 1, it sort of gets a little bit difficult to get them on air. So 11 till 12 every, uh, every Sunday, if you miss it, Go to hrnz.co.nz and it's up there for you to pick out the uh, the interviews you want to have a listen to. So plenty of information this Sunday, Smithy. Yep, plenty of uh, harness racing in, in uh, store for us over the weekend at Addington. Uh, Greg O'Connor, thank you very much. Look forward to uh, your contribution over the weekend. Cheers, man. Good, good on you, Smithy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, uh, Greg O'Connor there, folks. Uh, we'll have Mark Stafford very shortly as he's about to take over for this Friday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.